And verse 14, why do we set still? And America has set still too long. And, um, but when I finished with that message down there and I had done the camp presentation, about a dozen people came back into that church as I was wrapping up power cords and, and the slide screen and everything. And they said, can we talk to you for a little bit? And I thought it was going to be about camp or whatever. But they said, we don't know what you're talking about this evening or this morning, what you were talking about. How do we get involved? Because some of them said, I've got grandchildren. I've got nephews and nieces and great-grandchildren. I want them to inherit America that I knew. And they were serious about this. And they said, would you please come back to our church when you have your presentation ready? And uh, we want to know. We want to belong to things, not just to belong to them, but actually these organizations that are doing things for us, the citizens out here. And so tonight, I'm going to give you phone numbers. And that's why I asked you this morning to bring a pad and paper and, and pen with you to write down things. And, uh, but this verse really stuck out in my mind there when I was reading here. And I know it's talking about Israel and all this here. But why do we set still? He said, and assembly yourselves. And let us enter into the defense cities and let us be silent there. For the Lord our God hath put us to silent and given us water and gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. And America has sinned against the Lord. Eighty-four million babies have been butchered since Roe versus Wade. How many presidents, doctors, teachers? Think about that for a little bit. Farmers, mechanics. They don't have a chance. It's got to stop. So tonight, we're going to uh, look here at scriptures here in just a little bit further in Luke and so on and so forth. But I want to get my notes this evening and I want to keep things moving because I don't like to waste people's time because your time is very valuable. And did everyone get this sheet this evening that's 18 or older? And the reason why I say that is because those of you that are getting ready to turn 18, you need to register and vote. And Brother Dan has voter registration cards back there. If you're not registered to vote and you need to vote, it is your responsibility as a citizen to vote. Uh, It is too important, folks. Uh, I had a a man stop yesterday by my house. I was outside working and uh, he had his two grandsons with with him. And I've known him ever since I went to school together. And uh, he was introducing me to his 10-year-old and 12-year-old grandson. And we got to talking and I asked him, and I said, you know, we were talking about things of life and how things have changed and whatever. I said, and I called him by name. I said, Are you, do you vote? Do you vote? He goes, well, I remember you when you were in office. I said, no, that's not what I asked you. I said, Did you, do you vote? He goes, well, I know Hannah Kelly really well. What part of this is I'm not getting through here. Uh, But I said, listen, I said, you need to get registered to vote. I said, I've known you ever since we were in third grade. He said, Van, I really hadn't thought much about it. That's our problem today. That's our problem today. People just don't give a care. And then they call up your state representatives and your state senators and they wonder why in the world did this happen? 
because you, Joe Citizen, Susie Citizen, didn't get involved. You should vote in every election. I don't care if it's school board, council, city council, county and state and local federal issues. You have a voice and it needs to be heard. But some of us, we'd rather sit by and just complain and gripe and groan and not say nothing. Tonight, I'm going to get the board over here. There's some, get your pen and paper out. You need to call these two senators tomorrow morning. Okay, it's very important. Wright County, they need to hear from Wright County. You say, well, I don't live in Wright County. You need to call them anyway. Okay, these are the two men. I'm going to try to get it up here. I may have to have some help with a bigger board here in a little bit. But these are two senators that needs to hear from you because they are playing political games with this county. Okay? Now I'm going to get a little bit rough tonight. If you don't like it too bad, you don't have to have me back, okay? Senator Caleb Rowden, he's the majority floor leader. Majority floor leader, he determines what bills comes to the Senate floor for debate. Very powerful position that man has. Okay? Very powerful. There's his number. When you call him, please tell him or his receptionist or L.A., however you want to call, legislative assistant, say, Sir, I'm so-and-so from Wright County. I understand that you all are wanting to put us in the 4th Congressional District with Kansas City. Wright County does not to be in Kansas City area. Okay? Period. We either want to be in the 8th Congressional, which we are currently. That's Congressman Smith's district, okay? David uh, Schatz. <laughs> was the instrument of our gas tax. Okay? This is the guy who brought it up. Don't have much respect for the man. Sorry. Okay? But he is the, the president pro tem of the Senate. Uh, he also decided what comes to the floor. So call his office. Let him know. Let his receptionist know that you want to stay in Wright County needs to stay in the 4th Congressional District. How many will do that? Come on. Don't sit there. Don't sit there, please. Okay? Please do. Don't call them once, but call them two or three times this week. Let them know. Let them know. Okay? On the back of your paper, you will see there are some uh, organizations in your local uh, officers. I want to get this out of the way here. And you will see your representatives from Hannah Kelly to Jeff Knight to Representative Smith to uh, Senator Crawford, Benny Cook over in Texas County, Senator Carla Esslinger, our senator here for this county. Then underneath here you will find uh, the uh, information to go to these websites, representatives, your senator, uh, and secretary of state. Okay, uh, Look those up and to find... Uh, their emails, well, their emails are on here on the paper. Most of them are. But if you need to go, there they are. You can log in and you look up any bill that's coming to the floor of the House or the Senate. You say, Van, this really doesn't interest me. Well, it should. It should. Because every year, we're going to look at here on the PowerPoint, but every year around 12 to 1,500 bills are introduced in the Missouri legislature. And you better be glad that they're not make it through the whole process. Okay. Uh, sausage, it, lawmaking is like sausage making. It's pretty gross. Okay, it is. But it's a slow, tedious process. You better be glad that it is. 
because you don't want everything coming down the pike. I remember one year we had a woman up there who decided she wanted to put uh, seat belts on motorcycles. <laughs> we laugh at that, but she was as deathly serious as you can imagine. I don't think she ever rode a horse. I don't think she ever rode a motorcycle or nothing, but she thought she, she was the best thing since sliced bread. This is who people elect. When you have people who think that I know more than you, common citizen out here, and that so we're going to put more restrictions on you. It's not mandates, folks. It's freedom. Okay? And um, a while back, I was in a town a while back uh, doing some campaigning for a certain person. And uh, they had their mask on. God bless them. But I told them, I will not wear your fear. I will not wear your fear. Here's three other things you need to get on your sheet. You want to watch this um, program. Go to rigged2020.com. Okay? It's a good, good informational source there. It will open up to your eyes what happened in November of 2020. Okay? Senator Rick Scott from the state of Florida, U.S. Senator, the Senate Republicans have come up with called Rescue America. Now, Joe Biden has the America Rescue Plan, so don't get it confused. RescueAmerica.com, they give 11 points of what they'll do if we give them the power back in the, Missouri, in the, in the U.S. Senate. I like every one of those points. How many have, re- have looked it up and seen it? One person. Counting me, that's two. What did you think of it? It's spot on. They have 11 points that they're putting out to you, the American people, that they make a problem. It's like the contract with America that Newt Gingrich did back in 1994, 1993, when the Republicans took the majority first time in 40 years up there. Those of you that are 18 and older or younger, This is a great organization. I've spoke at this organization in Jefferson City years ago. It's called Young American Foundation. This is the organization here. If you're young or young married, I encourage you to get involved. And uh, they have uh, all kinds of content online that you can learn how to articulate yourself when you are confronted by liberals and and people who uh, lost their brains. Okay? All right, Phil, would you help me with that bigger board, please? We're going to try to turn it around here. All right, let's see if we can make a a turn here. I want to get it on this other side first before we talk about the other side. I feel like I'm pushing a casket. Amen. All right. <laughs> Can everybody see that or I need to put it up here? Can you see it? Ish. Up on the stage, they say, Phil. Up on the housetop. Here we go. Okay, let's go your way. Okay. <clears throat> now, can you see it or is it too glaring? Okay, good. All right, thank you, Phil. Before we get to this tonight... Um, isn't it interesting that this past week the president sent 
close to almost $15 billion to help Ukraine. But, and he didn't get hardly any um, feedback, or not feedback, but any pushback when that, uh, when that was sent over. But when, when President Trump, though, tried to get money for our border, it took him four years to get it. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Okay? Something wrong. But they have fought him. They have sued him 11 different times in court to stop the funding for the border down here. I've got friends who work with a Border Patrol agency. They are so frustrated. Their morale is 0.0.0. It is pathetic. It is pathetic. We cannot have this, folks. But anyway, I just want to remind you of some things tonight of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because I love my country. That's right. That's right. And I want us to be able to freely worship in this church. But we won't in the future if we don't stand. And I want to ask you tonight, what are you standing for? And so tonight, I'm going to brag about our country a little bit. Look, we are, look at where we are today. And I said there and read there in Jeremiah 8:14, why do we sit still? And I'm glad we didn't have people sitting, back, sitting still back over 247 years ago. That's how old our country is now. America, there is no place like it. No place like it in the whole world. And I'm going to prove it to you tonight. When people say, well, America is racist, America is this, America is that, I will buy you a one-way ticket out of here. You love our blessings, don't you? You love everything that America gives you, but yet you speak against it and you do everything to harm it. But there is no place like it on earth. We have one form of government. Okay? You look at all the other nations around the world. Now listen to me, folks, when I'm doing the research on this. France. Look at, look at other nations tonight. France has had 15 different governments during the 20th century. They're getting ready to have a big election here soon in France. Afghanistan has had five constitutions in the 20th century. Five. We have one. Poland has had seven since 1921. Russia has had four since 1917. The good old United Nations. I'll be bows down, bows, bows, the other bunch of bozos, but bulldoze down, as Pastor said years ago, plant fescue in its place. But what happens there is they go up, you know... They have 192 uh, nation membership right now, but it fluctuates every year. It depends on who conquers who and when. 
And America is the only nation in the world that does not average a revolution every 30 to 40 years. Think about that. We take it for granted. We take it for granted. You go to your place and work every day. You don't have to show an ID. Now, you may have to in certain places and certain secured areas. I understand that. But aren't you glad that you, don't, you can go to Montana today, go to California, and go somewhere, maybe go to Florida, wherever. I'm just kidding. There's a lot of still good folks out in California. There still is. I got relatives. I talked to some out there the other day. They, they, they live right in the middle of Trump country. Nani Rhodes is Omer's uh, son, um, daughter, or son, uh, daughter-in-law. Talked to her the other day. She said, we're still very Republican out here where we're at. We don't like our governor. And we're doing everything we can out here. So the people are fighting. So um, sometimes you feel like you're the only one, but you're not. But the thing is tonight, America, the only nation in the world, like I said, does not average a revolution every 30 to 40 years. And we take it for granted. We think it's just natural, but it's not. I want to show you why it's not natural. Okay? Jesus said in the New Testament there be wars and rumors of wars. He said that even when he was on earth. Okay? But what we as Americans has experienced is not normal. Just oh, about a year or two ago, one of our Supreme Court justices, uh, one that was nominated, uh, I forget, by one of the Democrat presidents, um, and I can't think of her name right now, but it doesn't matter. She said that, quote, we need to look at Europe as, uh, uh, as let me get this here, it said, we need to look at Europe because of their sistification and their years, they have been the oldest, basically the oldest uh, countries on the earth, you know. And they've, they've been around a long time, and, and uh, we need to be like Europe. And look at their way of life. Look at their health care. Look at this and look at that. And that's basically what she said. But I looked up what Thomas Jefferson said over 200 years ago, and there was a fad going on then about how we should be like Europe. And this is what Thomas Jefferson said about that nonsense. Oh, no. What did I do? We swing wide, don't we? Sorry about that. That's why I only have a driving license, not a CDL. Goodness gracious. Sorry about that. That's your paper? Oh, my. Thank you. Thank you so much. Boy, what a mess. Anyway, can you see this? This is what Jefferson said to those who said we ought to be like Europe. The comparisons of our government with those of Europe are like comparisons of heaven and hell. Think about that. Let that sink in for a little while. The comparisons of our government. We've only had one constitution in 247 years. And yet I read you all these other countries who have went through different regiment changes and, and uh, all these little sawed-off runs. They go out here and try to take over one another. But Jefferson said this, the comparison of our government with those of Europe are like the comparisons of heaven and hell. And boy, that's a big difference, isn't it, folks? It's a big difference. 
I'll be like the monkey who got his tail caught in the door. It won't be long now, okay? Hang with me. But why would we give up what we have? It has nothing to do with pride. America is exceptional. I like that word, exceptional. We're not hearing it much anymore because, oh, America is not exceptional because, again, we're racist. We're this, we're this, we're all this phobic and isms and wasms and whatever. We're not. How many people are going to Ukraine tonight trying to get across their border besides Russia? How many are going into Poland tonight because they think it's a better life there? How many are going to Russia? Whatever. But here we're expecting over 18,000 per month after Title 24 goes away in, in next month. We can't sustain it, folks. See, we'll, we will never be taken from without. We'll be taken from within. And it's happening. The reason America has been blessed, and I want to get to this tonight. This is the most important, as, as we have. It's because we adopted certain principles from God's Word. President Andrew Jackson put his finger on it. He said, the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. And it is a republic and is not a democracy. You need to get that down. Okay? You need to get that down. Okay? And um, that's what America, that's what has made America different than any other nation, even back then. That's why God has blessed us in so many ways. It's not because God is a respecter of persons. It's because any nation that uses biblical principles, He will bless them. When you stray away from word, the Word of God, or when you try to get rid of God like Lenin and Stalin, all those guys that are burning in hell today, and they keep mummifying Him over there, thinking that He's going to come back and raise up someday, they're wasting all that embalming fluid on a guy. But we in America seem to have forgotten what we have. Because really, folks, again, we have not had a coup. We've only had one constitution. We have a preamble. We have our Bill of Rights. But we in America seem to have forgotten. When, John, when uh, Andrew Jackson said that the Bible is the rock on which... Our republic rest. John Adams, when they first opened the first Congress, said that they read Psalms 20, uh, 25 as their opening psalm. And then after that, they spent three hours in prayer. They thought prayer was important. Because guess what? They were getting ready to start a nation and they had no idea where to get counsel from except for the one who is the mighty counselor. Amen. That's what's wrong with America today. We're not seeking the counselor. We're going to government. We're going to this. We think this guy will help us. This guy will be the next best thing, whatever. As much as I like Trump, folks, he's not going to be our savior. Okay? He's a man. He's got his faults just like the rest of us do. But the thing is tonight, we have been given. You know where our founding fathers got the ideas? It was through preachers like Mayhew, Cooper, Whitfield, and, and Chauncey. 
these men <clears throat> preached the word during, before we became a country. And Adams, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson went to hear these preachers. You're not hearing about this. Even in, even in, I don't care where you go to school at, you're not hearing about it. Maybe you are in some places. But they were the ones that absolutely, these preachers, even there was black preachers who got up and preached the word and, and against uh, the British overtake of our country and everything else. And they said that we have been given a stewardship. And we today have a stewardship to take care of what we, has been given to us. We are not to gamble it away. We are not to give it away. We are to fight for what we have. And let's go to Luke chapter 19, if you would please. Luke chapter 19. In verse 13. Um, Luke 19 and verse 13. You say, well, Van, what can I do? I'm going to give you the answer right here in this verse 13. Four words. The latter part of that verse says, Occupy till I come. Occupy doesn't mean you sit in the pew and do nothing. All right? And um, occupy means to take possession. And folks, we got people who are trying to take over this country. They're trying to possess it. And trying to turn everything out that's decent and right. And we've got to stop it. You know people in other states, all of us do, that you could call them and make sure that they are registered to vote and get out and vote for, and do the right thing. Questions unite. What am I leaving the next generation? I want to close with this quote tonight that Matthias Burnett wrote. He was a pastor back during the colonial times. And he said this, he said, let not your children have reason to curse you for giving up those rights and prostrating those institutions which your fathers delivered to you. I'll read that again. Let not your children have reason to curse you for giving up those rights and prostrating those institutions which your fathers delivered to you. My question to you tonight is what we are stewards of this country why do we sit still? And we have been given blessings, and we better not squander it. And we need to pass it on tonight to make sure that future generations, I want my nephews and nieces to have the same opportunities to pursue happiness like I have had. Your children that are sitting next to you or those of you who are expecting children, you want them to have the same blessings that you have. But you will not have those blessings. You will not have these freedoms if we do not do what is right and what is just. Now, some of you are already falling asleep on me. I feel sorry for you. Amen. You need to wake up. You need to wake up, America. Our country is going to hell. And I'm tired of it. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And this is why I wanted to bring this tonight, because it just seems like any person I talk to, well, man, I, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. We're so busy with being busy that we're too busy to get involved in things that's important. You say, well, Van, I can't spend the time that you're doing. You can do what you want to do. 
It's what my dad, my Uncle Jess used to tell me, you do what you want to do. So tonight, I, I ask you tonight, I want you to go to Psalms chapter 35. And this, as I said, this was read <clears throat> at the first Congress. Psalms 35. They thought this was so important to open up the first congressional, the House of Representatives, with this scripture reading in Psalms 35. Now, I'm not going to read all of it, but listen to just a few verses of it. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. They took hold of a shield and buckler and stood up for my help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me, saying to my soul, I thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark, slippery. Let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause they have hid for me their net in a pit. Without cause they have dug for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at awareness, unawareness, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee? Which delivered the poorest, which thou deliverest the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy for him that spoileth him. False witness did arise up against, they laid not my charge the things that I knew not. They reward me for evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. And I'm not going to take time to read the whole thing tonight, but I just want you to mark that, that that was the first thing that Congress did in the opening of their first legislative session. And that's why today they open session in Jefferson City with prayer and they open Congress in prayer. And they sure need a lot of it. And they need guidance. And that's, folks, that's why you need to pray for your leaders. Even though we may not like what we're seeing, we need to pray for them. God can turn the heart. God can. But are we praying that God would? Or are we, taking, are we spending more time making fun of Joe and his invisible handshakes? We could be spending that time in prayer. <clears throat> I'm not saying, folks, uh, I, I've been disappointed with both parties. Okay? But I, I lean toward them very strongly, the Republicans, because their platform, you to, if you've not read the Republican platform, you need to read it. Democrats, that platform there scares me to death. They've removed God. They've removed the Pledge of Allegiance from their opening of their sessions of they have whenever they meet their caucuses, whenever they meet. They've had people come in, folks, and and um, rip everything apart. Someone asked me the other day this question. I know time is getting, but we're, I'm going to go through this really quick of what I gave you tonight. But your local elections has just the biggest effect on you as your state and federal elections. 
Because you noticed in 2020 when the China virus started going around, it was just only going to be a 14-day thing. Okay, now we're here, what, two and a half years into it now, and people are still scared. <clears throat> and, um, but your folks that had, uh, didn't know they had power, now they've got power, and they want to give it up. Okay? This is why you need to be informed on um, April 30th, uh, this coming Saturday night, up at Shetler's, uh, north of Mountain Grove, is the Wright County Republican meeting. It's where your governor candidates, your, uh, all the candidates are running. They're going to come to Wright County up here, okay? And they're going to speak. Come. Ask them why they're running. Ask them what do they stand for. Give them some tough questions, okay? They're going to give you the, I'm for, I'm for life. Well, why are you for life? Why are you for the Second Amendment? Why do you stand for the things you say you do? And will you do what you say that you'll do? That's the problem. That's the problem. Well, I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. I'll do this. But they get up there. I don't care where you're at, where you're going, courthouse, state house, whatever. And they don't keep their word. Okay? You don't like people who don't keep a word to you. I don't like it. And we as citizens should make these folks accountable to us. I was accountable to these things. But I want to read you something tonight. <clears throat> I named one of these preachers that um, had such a uh, profound effect. And I knocked the, when I knocked the pulpit over, or the lecture stand over, I lost my note. But um, I want you to see what influence that just one preacher had on a fella that it's it's something else and I just want to share it with you and I'm sorry that it's taken this because I lost my here it is when uh, <clears throat> George Whitfield died and um, George Whitfield had been called the spiritual leader of our founding fathers of the United States. But his travel and the effects of his preaching went far beyond the American shores. Fifteen times he traveled to preach in Scotland and twice in Ireland. He, <clears throat> he preached in the Netherlands, <clears throat> Bermuda. And shortly after his death, Augustus, a top lady, the author of the famous hymn, Rock of Ages, deemed him as the apostle of the English Empire. And still nothing can compare to the effects of his preaching in the American colonies. After Lexington and Concord, he, almost, he was almost regarded as, as a patriot saint, the Protestant America saint of liberty. Now listen to this. This is what one man did. One example of the high regard in which he was held by those on the side of America independence concerns Benedict Arnold. How many of you have you heard of Benedict Arnold? Yeah. Before the, act, before the action that made his name very popular <laughs> with being a traitor, Arnold was a hero of the revolution. On his way to, to begin a campaign in Quebec, he made a pilgrimage to the grave of Whitfield in Newbury, Newport, Newbury Port, Massachusetts. This was in September of 1775. Listen what he did. Arnold wasn't content just simply to visit the grave but along with his officers, 
opened the tomb to gaze upon the mortal remains of a great man. Most of Whitfield was gone. But his moldering clerical garments and clothes remained. So Arnold and his officers cut what they found into small pieces and distributed among their men as good luck relics for what lied ahead. This was a, uh, a not a good action to some religions or whatever of desecrating a grave, but that this action might have been uncomfortable echo of the soldiers who at Christ's death greedily divided and divided his clothing was obvious lost on Arnold. But the military campaign that followed did not go well. Of course, we know what happened to Arnold himself. But just think that one man had such an impact on America that they would go and open his grave up and snip a little piece of cloth from what was left of him and put it in their pocket and hope it would bring them good luck in their next fight. Isn't that crazy? How many have ever heard that? I had never heard that. But the thing is, folks, we're missing a lot in history because we don't know our history. And we're going to lose our history. And so tonight, I want to show you tonight why it's important that you understand the little handout that I gave you on how a bill becomes a law. And so, uh, Joel, do I need to do anything to this here? What? You're good? Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. Could I have some help moving this to the side over here, please? And we'll move the other one too, please. I'll go through this fast. I know the time is getting away. But I feel it's important that you understand or at least get an idea of how this stuff comes to be. All right. You have on your handout there, and this is a little bit more detailed version than what I'm going to give you here. Um, this is your state capitol. This was built in 1917. The first one was hit by lightning in 1911, burnt to the ground. They appropriated funds, built this one back in 1917, and they refurbished it in 2020 or 2021 uh, for, uh, for uh, Missouri's birthday of 100 and 200 years, 200 years of its beginning, 1821. Um, whoop. Go back up. Your representative and senator, they have an opportunity on December 1st to file bills, the first day of December. How does this come go into effect? How does this affect your life? Well, you come to your representative or your senator and you say, I have an idea. Let's take, for example, tonight, out here in Highway 60. Instead of 60 miles an hour, we want to go 75. How many before that? Ooh, not very many. Okay? So, uh, you come up with an idea that you would like to change something or make it better or whatever. So you get a hold of your representative and your senator and they come up with legislation that will help them uh, and they will try to get that done for you. All right. So they go to legislative research. They write up the, the item. They give them the idea. They said, all right, uh, would you help me get this write, written up to where it can uh, be filed 
and ready to go on the first day of session, so to speak, go to, go to a committee. All right, January 5th, the first Monday, first Wednesday after the first Monday, session starts. May 17th is coming up very soon. This year, it does every year, of course, but that's the last day, or 13th this year will be their last day of session at 6 o'clock. It used to be at midnight, and thank God we changed that years ago. Anything after midnight grows. <clears throat> July 14th, the governor, he approves or he signs it into law and, uh, or vetoes that piece of legislation. Every, every law that's been passed and signed by the governor of the state of Missouri goes into effect August 28th, unless it has an emergency clause which takes effect immediately upon his signature. September 14th is veto session. If there's uh, bills that the, the uh, legislature wants to override on the governor's, uh, be on, the, on the governor, they can do that. They have to have two-thirds from both houses to override a governor's veto. All right? There are 14 appropriation bills, okay? Uh, Brother Phil, would you come and help me again? I'm sorry. You'll get wet anyway out there if we dismiss now, right? I'm going to flip this around. Now you say, oh, math. Yeah, I hate it too. First of all, before we get to the budget, Missouri elects 163 representatives to represent them. There's 114 counties in this state, including the county of St. Louis. There's 34 senators. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> they're on the west. They're on the east end of the building. The house is on, on, the, on the east side of the building. In, <clears throat> in 1994, my dad's last year up there, <clears throat> our state budget was $7 billion. Now it's going to be this, possibly, $45 billion. <clears throat> so, there are 14 bills that has to fit in this pie. <laughs> and everybody wants a piece of what? Of the pie, right? How many of you would like for your income to increase that much between that time and this time? Yeah, big time, huh? Yeah, it's important. All right. So, as you look here, you have administrations. That's Office of Administration. That means the workings of that building and other state buildings. Agriculture. You have agriculture. Brother Phil, would you come and help me again? I'm sorry. I'm working you to death. <clears throat> you have agriculture. All right. Then you have conservation. Conservation in Missouri was started in the 1930s. It gets its appropriations through one eight cent sales tax, which the Missouri voters voted in in the 1980s. A lot of it went to salary increase. You can say what you want to say, but I have the proof that showed it. Contra, uh, consumer affairs and regulation of licensing. That means if you're a hairdresser or anything that requires a license, if you cut hair, you've got to get a license from the state, so on and so forth. Elementary and secondary education, that's K through 12 funding, higher education, labor and industrial relations, anything that has to do with jobs in Missouri, things like that there. Mental health, natural resources, public safety, and revenue, social services, and that's enough. 
But all these are after your and my tax dollars. And it's up to the House and the Senate to make sure that everybody gets a piece of the pie because they have to have a balanced budget by May, middle of May, or they don't go home. They have to have require a balanced budget. Federal government needs to do the same thing. This is a picture of your house on the left and the Senate on the right. A lot bigger chamber, both beautiful chambers, so on and so forth there. You have some of that information on your uh, paper there. You have your house leadership is very important. Okay? <clears throat> you have your speaker right here. He presides over the house. He appoints all these bills that comes, the bill that you have there. Um, they decide which committee that I showed you a while ago. And um, they have a lot of committees. And they determine where that bill goes to. The, the um, speaker pro tem takes the place of the speaker just in case he has to be gone for some reason. And he has the same power as the speaker as he resides on the dais. The minority floor leader, the majority floor leader. The majority floor leader right now is a Republican. They are in charge up there right now. And they schedule and order the business of the House. He's the party leader and he speaks on the behalf of the party up there. Same thing that uh, the Democrats do. They have the same opportunities also. All right. This is what a House bill looks like. This is just a random bill I picked out. And it is given a number. It is introduced by Representative Baker here at that time. And it deals with state libraries and state, Secretary of State issues and all that there. Now, this is where it's very important that you pay attention when you are, when you, people call you and say, well, they're getting ready to vote on the bill. And you always want to watch out for the word shall and may. Shall and may. All right? May is that you, you can do it if you want to. But shall, you shall do it. Okay? So always watch out for words like that. Moving on. I know our time's getting close. So let's say that our speed limit bill goes to the transportation committee. You as that, that uh, sponsor of that bill will go before a committee. He will bring that committee to order. And I'm skipping a lot of stuff, a lot of preliminary stuff. And uh, they give you an opportunity to speak and why you think it's important to increase the speed limit from 65 to 75 out here. I'm just using an example, okay? And so you will uh, take, after you're done, then these people here that are sitting at this committee will ask you questions. And then the chairman of that committee will ask, is there anyone here and speak a favor of this bill? And you may have people from whatever organizations or individuals. You can come and speak on the bill if you want, if you feel like you need to and want to. And then he'll say, is there anyone here to speak against this? I bet the highway patrol would be right there, don't you figure? I don't think they'll want you to go 75. And on and on it goes there. And then after that, then anyone here to give information, just information purposes. So when that bill is done... They can go right then or a week later or whenever that chairman wants to, and they can bring up that bill to vote it out of the committee to send it to the House floor. And I'm not going to get you uh, all in the weeds of this stuff, okay? But trying to get it through here. So if a bill clears a committee with a due pass, it gets put on a perfection counter, calendar. What that does, a perfection means to make it better, okay? To make it better. All right? 
Bless you. And at that stage, that bill is debated on the floor. Amendments can be added. It can be de debated. And if it's approved, then it's placed on the third reading calendar for final passage, and then it's sent to the Senate. All right? So if it's acted upon favorably, the bill is referred to the Senate, where it goes through the same process that your representative will have to go over to the Senate side and present that bill on why they think it's important to increase the speed limit out here on Highway 60. And then if it is approved by the Senate and if there's any differences from the House version, then it's sent back to the House and they, you know, work their differences out. And, you know, then it comes back for another vote. But if neither House will agree to the changes, a conference committee, the Speaker will nominate so many people. The Speaker, uh, the, the President uh, Pro Tem will, will nominate folks and they'll meet in a room and hammer out their differences and try to come up with a compromise. All right, I'm moving on, folks, all right? So if they reach an agreement, they bring it back to the House for a vote, and uh, they get all their P's and Q's and I's dotted, and then it's sent to the governor. And this is, those of you who don't know, that's Governor Parsons, who's our current governor. He signed a bill into law there now. But now he can veto that bill, and he doesn't have to tell you why if he doesn't want to. Okay? He made down the road. Well, then that's when September comes back through, and when they, um, they can bring that bill up, if, if, if the leadership wants to, uh, they can bring that bill up that was vetoed and try to get it passed out of both houses there, all right? So that's quickly how a bill becomes a law. Now, I know that is really rushed, but our time is getting away from it. It's only 8.05, all right? And, uh, but I, I hope that tonight that this is uh, something that will encourage you to get involved. And some of you need to run for office. Some of you need to run for office, whether it's local. You say, well, Van, I'm not this, I'm not, here you are making excuses. You say, well, I can't speak very well, neither did Moses. And I can't either. But I'm willing to fight. How about you? You say, well, Van, I, I just, I did, this is not my cup of tea. That's okay. I understand. But again, why do we sit still? Why do we sit still? And I just want you to know that, um, folks, we live in the greatest country in the whole world. Amen. Now, I want to close out with this. This is a book, contains the Constitution, contains Jefferson's Manual, and the rules of the House of Representatives. The U.S. Congress goes by this book. All right? Every state in the Union adopts these rules every two years. Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson wrote the rules on how the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate is to conduct themselves. Pretty smart fella. From what you are to wear, you to, oh, I learned the hard way one time. Mm. I was in a rush, and I was late, got on the floor, didn't have my tie on. Speaker of the House saw that. Boom! Came down that hammer. Gentlemen from Douglas, you will get their proper tire on. Yes, sir. I didn't do that no more. <clears throat> 163 people out there, and then it was broadcasted live. That's really nice. So, you got to have your tie on. Hannah cannot go on the floor 
unless she has a jacket covering herself. Skirts below the knees. Amen. Amen. Mm. It's in the book. If you didn't have rules, folks, you'd have chaos. That's right. And nothing gets done. Kids, you don't like rules? Too bad. Amen. Too bad. We have to have them. We have to have them. Folks, thank you for your time. I hope I've not wasted your time. But I want you to know that We've got to do more than what we're doing. Some people say, oh, the church shouldn't get involved. The church should be involved. Amen. The church should be involved. But folks, I tell you, just like the Bible, if we don't follow the Bible and its principles, we get in trouble. Same thing here. I got in trouble that day. Just forgot to put it on, you know. And so, folks, the thing is tonight... We have August primary coming up. You've got county commissioners that's running in this county. You've got two that's running. You've got county clerks that are running. County clerks are responsible for the elections of this county. And also they take minutes of your commissioner's meetings. Okay? Be aware of that. Okay? You need to know this. Okay? Because there are people out here in the hills and hollers, folks, that would love to run for these offices and make this into planning and zoning and all this other nonsense. I'm not for planning and zoning. I think you ought to build what you want to. That's right. Okay? If you only want three sides in your house, help yourself. Right? I'm tired of mandates. And, I, and boy, I'll tell you, tonight's my night, isn't it? But the thing is, folks, you, you're, you're U.S. senators. You've got, all right, let me back up. You've got two people that are going to be running for this state senate district. Wright County is going to be in a new district. Okay? So you have Susie Pollock and Justin Brown that are running for state senate for this area. You need to get to know them. They're going to be here Saturday night at the Lincoln Day. Come, good dinner, 25 bucks. I'll buy you dinner if that's a big deal for you. But be there. Talk to them. Get to know them. They're making decisions for you that's going to affect you from 50 to 100 years from now. And you better have the right folks in there. That's why it's important that you elect a governor. And if I was governor, I would get rid of the last two administrations' bureaucracies and people that's been there. I'd start afresh. That's what I have a problem with our governor right now. He has too many people from the past that's there now, and it's not helping him. You surround yourself with good people that's like-minded because, let me tell you something, he is going to appoint people to boards, directorships, commissions across this state that has the, hopefully, hopefully the same mindset as he does. Elections are important. Some are only won by one vote. Some are only won by sometimes less than that sometimes. But it's important. So these folks, folks, that are getting ready to run, they're coming knocking at your door this summer. You need to take time and ask them, why do you want this job? What are you, want, what are you going to do for us here in Wright County or Douglas County? I don't care what county you're from. And so now Hannah's district has changed. Okay, it's going to change. She's taking in all of the Clee County except the city of Lebanon.
She's taking all of Wright County. Then she's going further into God's country, Douglas County. <laughs> and she's taking part of that down there. Her district has changed a little bit. But she's still going to be our representative. And she's a fine one. And you don't like it? Come and talk to me about that. <laughs> I'll tell you something, folks. You need to pray for her. Because she's running for majority floor leader. Okay? That is a very important position to have. That's going to kill a lot of bad junk that's coming down line. Okay? And so she will determine whether it's going to be debated or not. Or it's going to go on file 13. Which most of the bills should go in file 13. Right? Let's all stand tonight. Pastor, do you have anything?